Hello, everybody. Welcome to Tread On Me. It's Sunday night. We're excited to bring to you this week's news. How are you doing this week, Jake? Fantastic. How are you doing, Sam? Oh, yeah, not too bad. I uh, got a little bit of a cold, but I got whiskey to cure it, so <laughs> we'll make old, it through. You know, it's the old wives remedy, right? Yeah, apparently I put some honey in it, though. That's what they say to make it great. Anyways, catch me up. You got some interesting stories for us this week. Oh, yeah, so I, I'm just going to quickly gloss over this one that has to do with Hong Kong because we've been talking about them almost every week because I really like what's going on in Hong Kong. I think it's great. But they actually um, continued to protest this past weekend, and they actually marched on the U.S. consulate this time, uh, today, actually. And... Um, what happened was is uh, the reason why they did this is because they're trying to rally support from Donald Trump. And well, maybe not specifically just Donald Trump, but uh, more like the American maybe government in general. But it is mentioned that they are eyeing Don, uh, the president um, to get garner some sort of support because this is um, a movement that doesn't seem to be... Uh, dying out anytime soon um but i thought that was really interesting yeah i saw like some science of them doing the the protests and saying donald trump help please interfere help hong kong etc i actually kind of tuned out once they got their uh, got their way so are the protests still going then or is it just well yeah like... they have they have um like a five points that they need to get that the hong kong government needs to agree to so that the protesters will stop. And there's several things. They want more democratic representation. They want the resignation of Carrie Lam, who is their, I think it's, I think it's like the governor, or I think that, look, I, I think that's the, the title she holds. Um, I think there's a few other ones, but I don't remember what they were. But they, are, they aren't going to stop unless all, well, that's what they say, they're not going to stop. Hmm, well, good for them. It's just, I think I mentioned that to you the day I, uh, um, the day we found out that they, they were going to withdraw the bill, though, I said that they got to keep these protests going because, was it 2047? The legal system just handed back off to China. So, I mean, I don't think they'll ever have momentum like this again. So, I, I mean, I, it makes sense to go to the consult and talk to Trump because at this point, you realize you're on a ticking clock. It's eventually you're going to lose lose what you won. So it's either full freedom now while you're organized or enjoy your temporary victory and let your children deal with the problems. Right, I I don't uh, disagree with you, but it's it's interesting because I am actually I'm interested to see what happens because Carrie Lamb actually got I think somebody either leaked it to the press or maybe there was a bug in her office, but she was in a private conversation with somebody who is uh, important in uh, Beijing discussing what the situation in Hong Kong and it's very clear that um, Beijing does not want to use or at least what they're trying what it seems like is that they don't want to use force to stop this out they're kind of just trying to wait for it to die out but Carrie Lam wants to step down from what the audio said well from what what she was saying in the audio it seems like she wants to step down even though not she doesn't she won't admit that publicly um, but it seems like she's uh, being forced to stay in office. Yeah, it's probably a weird role where you're like the head of a separate legal system, like two countries, I know one country, two legal systems, or however they set up when that deal is first made, and you're the kind of the governor, like you said, of one, but being very pressured by the other. It's got to be a very, I mean, I, I get why she wants to step down. It's got to be a tough rope to walk. Yeah. I've got that pressure a few times. I thought when this happened, she was, she her first instinct, if I, you know, if I remember correctly, the first thing it was withdraw the bill, but China didn't want her to, or something like that. So she's she's definitely got a weird tightrope to walk, and I wonder how I wonder what will happen with her at the very end of the day. If she'll eventually just give up and quit, and China will betray on her, or if she'll keep supporting China just to lose the faith of the people she's in charge of. I don't think she uh, is going anywhere anytime soon. I think I am more in your camp, and I think that this uh, movement will eventually die out. Yeah, and then. Everybody will enjoy their 20-some years of beating China, and they'll just all turn around and be taken from them. It is weird to me, though, how China seemed to make their move right now. It, makes, it almost makes me seem like China's a little bit desperate, like you've been talking about the past few weeks, that they've been trying to gain further legal control over Hong Kong sooner than later. Kind of signals to me that they, they need something from Hong Kong and control over it 
uh, quickly because maybe there might be some internal problems in China, like you've been mentioning over the past few episodes that just that just are starting to fester to the surface. And now they, they need some more resources, more boost their economy or just, you know, just something from Hong Kong that I'm not quite sure what they need yet. Well, I mean, they are communist and they don't communism doesn't work. So that could be a reason but that's just because that's just because i'm not in charge of communism i could bring the i could bring the benevolent uh, utopia I, into existence i believe in your powers <laughs> thank you you can be my secretary of war i'll need that to put down my opponents peacefully <laughs> i will try and not blow us up with our own nuclear arsenal <laughs> i appreciate it <laughs> what else you got for us um the hurricane uh was it dorian dorian yes. yeah dorian uh hit the well then it well it didn't necessarily hit the united states as bad as it hit in the bahamas but the bahamas really got the brunt of that storm that hurricane it was category five but it was almost like it just stopped in its tracks because kept hearing in the news that it was headed for florida headed for florida but the the, the worst part of it hit the bahamas and uh, um, the Vo- uh, if our listeners are aware, Vox News is reporting that uh, 70,000 people are left homeless. And I've even uh, read stories that say that there is such devastation down there that the government uh, in the Bahamas are having a hard time keeping and maintaining control down there to the point where um, like civilian militias are starting to form to help protect people from looters and violence because uh, people just don't have anything anymore. Yeah, I remember you sent me that video about Tim Pool did about yeah, people being killed over food and water bottles now and those malicious citizens roaming the streets for basic protection. It's The devastation's insane. I like, The pictures you sent and everything were crazy, just wiped out. It's, 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 it's really sad, too, because these people, they were giving... They, obviously, we all knew that the, the storm was coming, but most people don't have the resources to just be able to uproot themselves and fly away. Um, so it's just an, an un- unfortunate circumstance for where these people are. Yeah, it's one of those. It's you know one of the risks of where you live. Yeah, you. I mean, people talk about how nice the Bahamas are and everything. It must be great to live there, but you obviously have the tropical storms <laughs> and stuff like that. So it's yeah. Did your huh? I don't got nothing on there. Just complete destruction and stuff. It's, well, I. Uh, yeah, I think that this is a another reminder just to make sure that you're prepared. I know pre- preppers and the prepper community gets made fun of a lot, but they don't get made fun of when it when things like this actually happen and they happen all the time. Well, I mean, the, from what you're telling me too, and the, the Tim Pool video, it's almost you know you're right. The preppers are get made fun of, you know, mocked a little bit, but it's almost even a little bit discouraging to be a prepper even more because you read these stories about people prepping, actually having food and water, and then somebody just comes up to them and shoots him or you know robs him or just takes some of their stuff. It's like a terrible tragedy. It almost seems to decentivize. Like you're like, oh, like you know, you start prepping for something like this, and someone might say to you, oh, why are you prepping? You know, and the minute someone's faced with uh, no food nor water for a few days or anything and they're armed they're just going to come and take your stuff by force anyway so that's why you got to stay strapped or get clapped <laughs> it is yeah, right what what for that prepper didn't stay strapped and claps you didn't believe in that or you didn't have a or a stronger band came around that's why i think you know like you said civilian militias really helped the pro or helping the problem down there um at least they're roaming the streets helping protect people but yeah, you do have to build. It's more than just prepping and saving the stuff. Like you said, you have to arm yourself and you have to work with other people to to stave off anybody who wants to put force on you. Because some people are pushed to the brink. It's crazy. I know everybody thinks we live in some civilized world, but we mentioned that one episode with the power outage. I give it seventy-two hours without power on the eastern seaboard and the eastern coast or the west coast or whatever. Even the Midwest, who cares? You know, seventy-two hours for people start looting you, robbing you. I mean, even less than that. You know, it's it's. People are people are just one step away from being savages. It's kind of like the old Batman and Joker movie where you turn Two Face against him. The Joker's just like all he needed was a little bit of push. All anybody needs is a little push. So that's it's, why you got to keep your twelve gauge loaded with some bird shot and then some buck shot. That is both Dave Chappelle and Joe Biden approved. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'll have to I don't that. trust anything Joe Biden says because he just wants to be let outside to sniff people. 
<laughs> I'll have to try to find that that video I sent you about Joe Biden and the shotgun comment and post it for our Facebook fans. That's that's freaking hilarious. <laughs> uh, so you heard it, guys. Stay uh, stay strapped or get clapped. Bottle up plenty of water, rice, other food, and you know because you never know. Never know when a disaster could hit you, and you got to be prepared. And our thoughts and prayers, as meaningless as that seems sometimes, definitely go out to the people in the Bahamas. That's a shitty situation to be in. <laughs> Yeah, I got anything else for us, Jake? What's next? Uh, that's all I have for today. Well, I saw one interesting thing before we get into the CNN climate change. Um, I guess I don't have a lot to talk about, but you remember that the Russia is kind of in war uh, war with Ukraine. I don't think we've ever oh, talked I, about that. I I love well, I don't love it, but I am very fascinated with the Ukrainian conflict. Well, apparently, as of yesterday, um, there's been a prisoner exchange, 35 prisoners for 35 prisoners, and it's renewed hopes for talk. And, you know, honestly, it's terrible of me because I try to keep track of all these wars across the globe, but I totally blanked on it until that popped up in my um, news tracker that this this is still a conflict going on and this is where we're at. I don't, I don't know if you've kept track of it at all. Are we close to an end over there or is it just going to keep going? I don't know. It's really It's really strange trying to get any kind of great coverage of what's happening in Ukraine uh, because it seems like there it obviously it really just seems like there's just a lot of bias towards it but there are still there there ha, there are still kind of little skirmishes on the border but my take on it is is we I'm, I'm kind of gonna take ourselves back a little bit but we hear a lot the reason why I'm so fascinated with the Ukrainian conflict it's happening in there is because uh, Ukraine is a modern, you know, country. Maybe you know could consider them first world country. And um, here in the United States, people keep talking about like another civil war happening, or even like some Second Amendment folks who really love the Second Amendment scream about their guns. Um, talk about how they'll rise up against the government. Well, if you just look at the Ukrainian conflict. And what's happening on the border with Ukraine and Russia, that is what a modern civil war looks like. It's destructive and it's it's displaced, I think, almost, I think it's displaced almost a million people. I might have to recheck that, but um, it's pretty rough. Well, at least there's a good sign that there's some talks about ending it, or at least I know prisoner exchange is a start, so... Hopefully that goes somewhere, but you know, there's been a lot of starts uh, from the Taliban talks, but I think I canceled, but I mean, at least Yemen, the Afghanistan war and Ukraine seem to be heading in the direction of peace. So that's an encouraging sign for global politics. I hope so. I feel like, I wonder if Vladimir Putin was only after the Crimean Peninsula, because that's what he was, that was the big, big, big winner in that whole conflict. Yeah, I don't, I'm not quite sure his agenda is, but I'm sure it revolves but around staying he, in power. <laughs> he's, he's got control over it. I guess, I guess you're right. Oh, sorry, I tuned out for a second there. I realized I was talking to Maria. <laughs> All right, but into, no, fine. into the CNN climate hall. I'm just going to have fun with this one. So for listeners who didn't aren't don't know, as I sit back and prepare to just rip some new ones at some people for crazy theories, CNN hosted a seven-hour climate change town hall where they took the top 10 Democratic presidential candidates and just interviewed him about climate change. Very set up. You know, they really questioned him too much. And I'm going to be honest, I didn't watch it. I watched a few clips. If anybody actually made it through the full seven hours without going, holy fuck, or drinking, power to you. So, Jake, let's just go through this. One candidate at a time. I got a little summary in front of me. I'll just quick review what these candidates want um, that for our listeners because it's super important. Because if any of these candidates win, this the climate change is at the top priority for their uh, agenda. So what they're going to do is going to affect all of us. So let's start with Cory Booker. All right, Cory Booker. Basically, a summary of his uh, his time on this town hall was every administrative and policy procedure should be looked at through the lens of climate change. That's his big thing. So every department of the federal agency would ex be expected to have a climate change plan. Um, every lever, you would have every lever he has to be used for foreign policy to influence people like the Brazil fires and those leaders down there. So it's just, it's summing up everything 
everything Booker plans to do in office is going to be through the lens of climate change. So I'm just I'm just trying to start thinking here, Jake. So school school choice. So what you can't go to a school that has a windmill and solar panels, like uh, gun policy. If you want to ban guns, you can only ban ones that don't grow flowers in their bullets when they shoot and land on the field. Like, are you kidding me? Like every policy has to be seen through climate change. Is this our almighty religion and God that we have to first ask before we do anything legislatively? Apparently, I, I don't. I don't think that the government really had. Well, I don't think a lot of these uh, bureaucrats have a lot of ideas to really solve this. So what they want to do is just they'll just throw a tax on it, and that's 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 the best way to go. Oh yeah, I'm sure they'll build the hell out of it. The Booker's Booker's interesting though because he's he seemed one of the most encompassing people. I'm just trying to think of all the decisions the government make, though, that doesn't seem like they relate to climate change too much. And the fact that his priority as president is to be, hey, if we're making this decision or pushing this policy agenda, we're going to first look through the lens of climate change before we do it. I don't know. I think we have a Green Party runner right there. I, I, if the Green Party doesn't get behind him, I don't know who they will. <laughs> I, I'm wondering, though, like if, if, if we need to look through the lens of climate change with everything, I hope he wants to look through the United States military because they have a larger carbon footprint than most countries. So, yeah, yeah it's always interesting. I don't know if the Democrats are the party of war or peace anymore. Um, I feel like every, at least every candidate except uh, that ends up going anti-war as soon as they're in office and meet with the deep state and all the, the military industrial complex that eventually they just keep rolling status quo or growing it because they realize it's a power even they can't fight. But Perpetual next up war. yep, is Beta or O'Rourke or Beta, as some people like to call what it. What is his real name? What is that man's real name? I'm is just gonna read what his real name. I have Beto or Rourke. That's what I'm reading on the uh, <laughs> CNN Climate Town Hall summary. That is a goofy name. <laughs> I guess his big thing is the cap and trade. Um, basically, under this system, people are unfamiliar with the cap and trade, is the government issues a limited number of allowances or permits to companies and other entities that emit carbon dioxide, essentially creating a cap on emissions. So this has been um, used in California and the eastern seaborne states to reduce some uh, emissions. So basically, from what I understand, I know very little about cap and trade, so a listener can correct me if I'm wrong, but Basically, certain companies have a cap of how much carbon dioxide they have, and I think if they don't use the full cap, they're allowed to trade it. And now, it sounds nice. Orwark sounds, I mean, his plan sounds like kind of the most friendly economically a little bit to me because he's saying, like, he's acknowledging there's a problem. It's the climate plan is way less than other people at only coming at five trillion and his goal is still net zero emissions by 2050 which is pretty much every candidate's goals but at the same time i think people forget like okay they're like so still, he's still allowing companies to pollute a little bit but he's putting a cap on it so it sounds nice but people forget how this is going to change incentives of companies like if a company can only make so, so much co2 in the u.s what's to stop them from saying well screw it we'll keep our company here or we'll grow in china or india or somewhere that doesn't have this this cap or we'll move our headquarters over there or we'll, you know there's i'm sure there's a million ways around this or even if it's for them creating a different company a different name or partnering i don't i don't know how this is going to go but whenever the government has put a cap on something whether it's rent control whether it's minimum wage or it's price control etc it has always just reaped devastating effects that have not solved anything actually the problem typically grows worse and you can even look at the uh the um, unintended consequences look up india the uh, in india the cobra the cobra story about unintended consequences how the government tries to do something good and ends up just horrendously bad so i think i think beta's just beta oh, sorry, wow i said beta i'm saying so much i think beta's just missing the point this jake i mean if you owned a company and he said and you, you had to make so many goods for so many customers, and they said you can only make this much in the U.S. I mean, what would you do? Wouldn't you just find a way around that because you still have the demand? That's what my first thought was, is how could I worm my way around this? If, if I was a business owner, that's what I would do. And, what, like, in a legal way, you know, I wouldn't be trying to break rules, but, you know, you could find loopholes, but I would want to try to do everything that I could to worm around it. My second thing is, is, so when you say if they don't reach their carbon 
emissions or whatever they're capped out at, they can trade it for like, what is it like subsidies or something or money or what are they trading it for? I'm unfamiliar on the trade part. I'll be honest. I haven't read too much in the cap and trade. It sounds to me, if I'll just off the skimmy of it, like if you just Google cap and trade, it's like a system to reduce pollution or atmosphere. The cap, it caps greenhouse emissions and drives global warming and the cap gets stricter over time. I honestly, I'm speaking just kind of like out of like understanding the word trade. To, I'd, I'd have to read into it. So I might, I might be totally getting the word trade wrong. But if I had to guess, you know, it sounds like if you don't use your, your full emissions, you can trade the rest to someone else. So that way, if you know, so you only use 90% of your 100 emissions, you trade the 10% to another company and then gets to there. So you're still capping the overall limit because there's only so much that can go around. You're basically making a market and the excess carbon dioxide. Again, that could be totally off base. And that's just me seeing the word trade and filling in the gaps in my head. So I'll have to check on that because I could be just talking out my ass right there. And they and they probably, obviously, they penalize these companies pretty bad if they did go above it, which would just be awful. That would just really hurt companies, I think, and hurt economic growth. And Well, yeah, because it doesn't address supply and demand at all. Like we might want 10,000 cars made or 10,000 car batteries for electrical cars, etc. And if you put a cap on carbon carbon dioxide where a company can only make 9,000 in, in this area and they have orders for 10,000 or the demand is there at 10,000, they're still going to supply them. Like, they're okay, there are two things that happen. They're going to supply them. They're going to find a way around it, whether it's a different country, a different legal entity, and just straight out buying the government to let them make more for something. Or they're literally going to, for somehow every government on earth worked together and somehow capped it so they couldn't fulfill their, their order, etc. Then you're going to have people without what they wanted. And so you're, I mean, and th so the people are going to go through the black market to get it or find other means to do it. And again, if you want to look at it, uh, words and numbers episode recently too, about how Mexico tried to do this with their cars. Basically the quick story short is they basically said, Hey, we need to eliminate emissions in the city. So if your license plate ends with these letters, you can't drive your car one day <laughs> a week thinking that would, th thinking that people would, would just use a car less and commute to work or carpool or things like that. And basically what Mexico did is a lot of people just bought a cheap car, a cheap second car, because they still need to get to places on the day they weren't allowed to drive their first car. And those cars, <laughs> because they were so cheap and crappy, those cars typically put up more emissions. So there's actually no decline in car in, 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 in like, you know, carbon dioxide and other pollutions in the air at all. And because so government comes up with a decent, what they think is a decent solution, but they don't look at how it, it impacts people's if people's praxeology and actions and incentives toward that and you know there's there's no way you can do that it's just it, it cracks me up that government thinks it's god and by making a legislation they'll somehow change people's incentives no people will find a way around it they'll do it illegally or they won't do it all and find an alternative that's most of the time even worse or has different consequences that are unintended in the first place i mean it's just it's basic praxeology guys like i don't claim to even have a total understanding of praxeology i'm just studying the field and even that part is clear to me like you can't pretend to know anything i wonder if any of those legislators or uh, bureaucrats who conceived that idea to whatever you know if your license plate ends in xyz you can't drive on mondays i wonder how many of their cars were you know c conveniently not included in that list <laughs> probably a, probably a lot either that or they said drivers take them around anyway but that i mean i guess to run through another example since we're talking about anyway i'll go over the cobra story that way people don't have to look it up so i believe it was india uh basically there's a cobra problem in the city and uh the government official had a good solution for it they're like you know what we'll pay a bounty so if you go and kill a cobra and bring its head in we'll pay you so much for it and you know words and numbers cover this too so i'm kind of stealing this story from them but um, they basically deputized everybody to go collect cobras. And so as the cobras were getting cleaned up, people were like, you know what? It's a smart idea. Let's keep cobras in our house and breed them so we can keep killing them. And then, you know, so keep making money off it. And eventually the government was wise enough and smart enough to figure out, hey, we're still paying out a lot of money for cobras, but there's no cobras in the street. So they basically said, okay, let's cancel the, the bounty for cobras. And so what happens when you cancel the reward and incentive to keep breeding cobras and killing cobras well basically this is what happened all the owners of all the owners of the cobras said well there's no point in keeping dangerous snakes in our house let's let them loose and there were more cobras in the street after this policy than when it started 
<laughs> talking about the snake biting its own tail, huh? I know because government has like what seems like logical, good solutions, and this is what gets so many people to buy into them. They it seems to make sense. It seems like we make a law on this and everything like this, but you can't understand how every human's going to react to that because humans have incentives, they have needs, they have desires, wishes, dreams, and they're going to pursue these. If you block a certain obstacle, they're going to find a way around that or use another means that you can't possibly comprehend. Because it's egotistical enough to say, if we make this law, we know what all 8 billion humans are going to do to react to it? No, there's no way. So it's just, it crafts me up that. So, I mean, I, I get it. We'll go back to it. But Beto, I get where he's coming from. He's trying to seem more reasonable with it. But in the end, I can't see his plan ever working. I think there's enough evidence that cap and trade doesn't work out there. But let's go on to Pete. Pete, I can't say his last name too. Is it Bugatti, Jake? Boudigay, Pete Boudigay. Now, Pete Boudigay intrigues me because you know he he's speaking these he's trying to get these conservative Christians and you know what this and this is I'm just gonna have a lot of fun with this climate hall. <laughs> I'm I'm pumped it already. <laughs> he just skipped the skipped the tax stuff and everything. I'm sure he went over it, but from the summary, <clears throat> he relates climate change to a kind of sin, and I quote. If you believe that God is watching as humanity spews pollutants, what do you think God thinks of this? This is less and less about the planet as an abstract thing and more about <laughs> specific people suffering specific harm. Because what we're doing right now, at least one way of talking about this is that this is a kind of sin. What, are the government going to start selling indulgences now? If they can profit off it, they will set up confessional booths and you can tell your sins to government. And if it's too much of a sin, they'll arrest you. Oh, man. Oh, like, are you kidding me? I know he's trying to win, like, the religious stuff, but this is, like, how did he get to this conference? Did he fly? Did he take a car? I bet you 10 to 1 Pete Bugatti's, Buttigieg, Buttigieg, sorry, Pete Buttigieg's carbon footprint is probably 20 times mine, and he's looking down at me and telling me that I'm a sinner? Fuck off, Pete. Oh, I agree. Like, you have the people, like, Leonardo DiCaprio going on stage talking about, you know, how climate change is real and we need to do, well, you peons and plebs need to do something about it. I'm going to stick to flying in my private jets and yachts across well, the world. You heard about that one girl that was that went to the G7. I can't, I was at the G7. Remember she flew there and she, no, she, sorry, she didn't fly there. She took a boat or something because she wanted to be economically friendly. You remember hearing that about the, that in the news? Was that it was a celebrity, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah something like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's what I they did. That. I don't. I guess I haven't fact checked this yet, so I might be wrong. But um, I did read it from a reliable source that they basically sent two pilots in a plane to pick up the fucking boat later. Like <laughs> you, <laughs> what? Like I will fact check that later and double check. But I I remember reading it on one of those reliable uh, what I recounted reliable news source. Um, so I'll look it up later. But I mean, at some point you still have to pick up the boat. Like someone's gotta get there. So I and like you said, Leo Leo's one of my favorite characters because he always preaches and he has his yachts and his private jets and everything. And it's like one of my favorites too is uh, Obama. Remember how uh, the sea the sea levels are rising and we're all suffering from climate change and to die in twelve years. Oh, this is what you know. What? Let's go into this side tangent before I get to Elizabeth Warren. <sighs> to the liberal left. If the world is going to end in 12 years and flooding is going to wipe out the eastern sea, a sea coast, whatever you want to call it, why are you all buying houses in Martha's Vineyard and other places that are going to be the first flood zone? Makes no sense. I'll tell you why, Jake. I'll tell you why they're buying houses there. We're just going to be flooded in 12 years because they know it's not going to happen. I mean, no, would, I don't disagree. Yeah, would you, if I told you, if I, if I told you, you want to buy a cabin up north someday, right? So if I told you where you're going to buy your cabin was going to be flooded in a decade, would you buy? No. Exactly. So well, I mean, if I was Barack Obama, I would, because well, I know it wasn't going to happen. Exactly. So it's incentives. Look at the incentives, people. If you see these people talk, look at how they live their lifestyles. They're not worried about climate change. And if they are, they don't care because they profit off it. They're going to be dead long before us plebs suffer the consequences. Wake up. Well, that's how you know we're going to serfdom again, Sam. Jeez. Sweet baby. God. Yeah, no, I'm going to serfdom. I read that book, Road to Serfdom. We're well on our way. All right, let's get to Elizabeth Warren because she's everybody's favorite. She's up in the poll. She's going to become president. We all know it. Man, I'm having fun with this, Jake. I don't know about you. Donald Trump's <laughs> going to have a field day with Pocahontas. Oh, it's going to be great. 
basically, according to the summary, I'm sure I'm sure Pocahontas said some great things. I remember reading some stuff about how no coal, no nuclear, no this, no that. We're all going to live off the faith of our dreams. But her summary, according to the New York Times, was basically she said, talk of light bulbs and straws are a distraction. So she just wants us to get away from all this stuff and focus on the big things. Oh, say, wait, that was... <laughs> I just remembered that video you sent me with that fox anchor who put straws in a steak and with light bulbs on it. <laughs> just sucking on. Oh my gosh, where are we? This is 2019. We're living in clown world. <laughs> I know. But at least Elizabeth Warren does have one thing right. You know, give us a break. Let's stop the conversation about light bulbs and meat and plastic straws and stuff. Let's focus on the real issues. Unfortunately, I think Elizabeth Warren is still focusing on the on the wrong big issues, but at least she's a candidate that's not going to take my plastic straw meat-sucking light bulb burger, Jake. Hey, I'm glad to hear it. I appreciate it, too. All right, let's get down to Bernie Sanders. <clears throat> the summary of Bernie, inaction is an unrealistic option. So his plan is $16 trillion, and I quote, if I start from the moral position that we have no choice but to do everything that we can with countries all over the world to save this planet for our children and future generations, that'll mean change, he said. I think that what our president of the United States has got to do is make clear to the people of our country and the world that the, or that the dangers are if we do not act. I didn't see a single really policy in that summary, but you know what? He's willing to spend $16 trillion of other people's money to make inaction a realistic option <laughs> if you vote for me we're gonna kill cancer yeah our people are gonna cure cancer if we vote for them oh my god but hey on the bright side for those uh, republican supporters who are still believing that the republicans a small government uh bernie sanders has offered to buy those coal workers vote he says when we get rid of all all evil energy he'll give five years of guaranteed income for displaced fossil fuel workers so Jake, I've applied to be Holy a fossil fuel. Shit. I've, I've applied to be a fossil many, fuel worker. How many people? <laughs> how many people do you think are gonna go flood to that market? Oh, uh, awesome! Five, um, he, will, five, he will. He will. He will provide funding and education for any workers that need to enter a new profession. So you've heard it. <laughs> oh my God! Oh, so it's gonna be more than sixteen trillion dollars. He's just. This is for those who don't see it. Right, those right wingers will take the money. Whatever the conservatives are, just a state oh, as yeah. an authoritarian or whatever. So I know I'm ripping the Democrats a lot in this, but you know what? When the Republican primary debates start happening, tune back in. We'll have fun with them. The Republicans is, are just better at hiding it. Oh, I don't even know if they're. I think the Democrats are more honest. At least they tell you what they're going to do. The Republicans lie through their teeth and yeah, just do the opposite thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so this is a, basically a social welfare program to buy the votes of upset fossil fuel. You know, honestly, though, if I'm a Republican fossil fuel worker and I'm sitting out there, I'm like, well, fossil fuels aren't important. We need to do this, blah, 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 blah. And Bernie Sanders says, well, we're going to get rid of your industry, but I'm going to give you five years guaranteed income and pay for your education. I'm thinking, wow, five years guaranteed income, literally five years off to figure out what I'm going to do. All of a sudden, I'm a Bernie Sanders supporter. I feel the burn, Jake. <laughs> I'm going to Australia for five years. Shit, yeah, man. Because fossil, I bet that's a decent salary too. All right, <laughs> let's let's go to our favorite creepy Uncle Joe. <laughs> <laughs> Did he sniff anybody today? I don't think he had a chance. There's all oh, adults bummer. in the room. <laughs> bummer. So he's pretty much put in the defensive at the at the climate hall. I mean, that I think people are targeting him. Um, because he gaffs all the time. <laughs> I know. I guess he, he was the only one for I can tell by the summary. And again, if someone watched all seven hours and wants to say everything I said is full of shit, by all means, let me know. That's fine. Whatever. But I'm reading the summary from New York Times from CNN, so I don't think I can get a more biased opinion on this summary. But basically, even CNN admits that he was asked the toughest questions. They were like, hey, how can you stand up to fossil fuel companies when you literally have a plan tomorrow? To host a host of, uh, for a fundraiser hosted by Andrew Goldman, a co-founder of a natural gas production company, and of course, Mr. Biner, Mr. Biden said, "Well, I didn't know he was in charge of that. My staff didn't tell me, etc." Blah blah blah. Come on. <laughs> what do you mean literally, you did? Oh, literally a quote. 
He's not a fossil fuel executive before pivoting. Mr. Biden said, I didn't realize he does that. I'll look into whether the fundraising violated his pledge not to accept money from fossil fuel companies. I was told by my staff he doesn't have any responsibility related to the company. If that turns out not to be true, then I will not in any way accept his help. I'm going to die over here, man. We live in a clown world, bro. We, hey, we, these, we get the leaders we deserve. I that like is true that is true like literally you're i don't know i don't you know but no the summary didn't even go into biden's policies so i'm sure biden is the most moderate of them all blah 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 blah. i'm sure he has some moderate proposals that still steal a little bit less money but let's go to amy klobuchar who's basically i think proposed eliminating her oh we should i forgot bernie sanders also proposed population we should go back a second bernie right. sanders proposed controlling population as part of his climate change plan lord thanos because that works so well for the Chinese. Yeah, it works out fine. If he, if he doesn't solve CO2 in a few years, he'll just wipe out more population. That's what Thanos how, did. How does he plan on doing that specifically? I think he just, I don't know. You know, honestly, I have no, he didn't, I didn't listen to the town hall debate and I just read the headline that he proposed population controls. Maybe it's a Chinese approach. May I don't I honestly don't know. Hang I feel like there could be that could be I think I feel like that could be a lot of things. Maybe he's he'll pivot and he'll deflect and say no no I was, I was talking about birth control. Oh, I can solve yeah. for you. Everybody get a glow in the dark Bernie Sanders poster and hang it in your bedroom. Population will drop quick. Imagine that. <laughs> imagine that bad boy glowing and looking at you as you're fucking. Free <laughs> abortions for everybody. Yeah, I can say Bernie Sanders little lines too. Like <laughs> that'd be hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> a little Vermont accent too. Mm -hmm. Oh my god. Yeah, that'll solve it. Good job, Bernie. You did it. I think what, what no man, speaking of like Barack Obama, didn't he buy his fourth house? But I, alas, I distract myself. Amy Klobuchar. You'll be surprised to know she hasn't threatened to kill her staff to uh, <laughs> to cut down on CO2. <laughs> oh, that's, that lady scares me, and I don't even know her. But um, she is backing, according to the summary, she is backing a moderate approach to climate change. So she's trying to, uh, you know, as the Democratic Party moves swiftly to authoritarian socialism and communism, she's trying to seem like she's going to take an extra four years to jog there. She has called, but even that jog, let me tell you, as she calls for these moderate changes, these are moderate, Jake, keep in mind, this is the moderate left, and these are the proposals, and I quote, <clears throat> I'm calling for sweeping legislation that would include major investments in clean energy development and infrastructure. This is part of a climate plan she released over the weekend. She hedged on nuclear energy and the future of natural gas and the role of dietary guidelines in combating climate change. I said, she's turned several times one of her refrains, I think you have to be honest with people. So she's hedging on nuclear energy, and she's hedging on my dietary guidelines. That is moderate, Jake. Let it flow over you. Do you Wait, feel what's moderate? The deal with nuclear energy, though. Like, why, why, why don't? Oh, Chernobyl. You, we're scared of it. We're scared well, of it happening. If you look at the possibilities for thorium, it could actually be a lot better than any, you know, energy means that we have now. Even even, even better than yeah, um, even better than like actual fossil fuels, I, I think, because thorium is very is very prevalent. Instead of using uranium, use what platonic a little bit of plutonium and thorium, and it's not nearly as dangerous either. But I you know I I, I digress. But I just don't understand why it why it's so scary to use nuclear energy. I don't know. People are still panicked about it. Chernobyl in Japan. It's well, first of all, it's clean. The newer technology is crazy safe, and there's even alternative forms. But nuclear scares people. The word scares people. And we play in a world where words are tough. And you know what? I'm a little bit upset about it because I own some nuclear stock. And you know what? Y'all didn't jump on board, so you didn't make Sammy rich. <laughs> no, it, it's not 1989 anymore. It's, you know, uh, I I think I agree with you too that the te technology is become much more sophisticated in the last three decades. I mean, we could probably talk about a whole episode if we just literally just read scientific articles about how safe it is and how people who people are really in the field knowing this stuff would agree that nuclear energy is a safe safe way to go. And you know what? 
when I think about these climate change people, these, these proposals they're making before I move on to Kamala Harris, like if these were if they, any of these were the CEO of a climate change company and they had different incentives, they would sing a whole different tune. I think again, I don't know how much I'm a hammer this to our listeners. These people are only saying these things and doing these things so they're incentivized to because as a politician, it's what they have to do to keep their job and keep moving up the ladder. Like they would, they don't care about you. They don't care about your opinion. They don't care about your pollution or CO two or whatever. You put them in a different job, like a CEO of these companies, and they'd be pissed at themselves running at office because they are hampering their ability to do their job. Like, how does not people not see that? When you, well, that's the reason is because they're bought and paid for, man, my dude. <laughs> they have too much power, and when you, you know, allocate so much power to such a centralized authority, they're the first ones to get bought. Mm-hmm. That is just true. This is so true. But to finish off, Clo- uh, Miss Klobuchar, before we move on to our final contestant, Kamala Harris. Again, the moderate person. She supports carbon pricing, but doesn't know how it's going to be structured. She wants to see who we have in Congress and how far we can move. Let me translate that. Actually, we should have this whole time. Actually, we blew- I really blew it. This whole time, I should have been translating what they're saying. But that's what she's translating. Let me see if the liberals get enough power in Congress to overhaul the entire economy or just a little power so we can overhaul part of it so I have a legitimate excuse for how far I moved in my carbon pricing plan because I have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> there you got it. All this right, Cam. Oh, seven yeah, hours of this? Seven hours. Can you believe that? I was really tempted to start watching it. Really. I just watched a few clips and I read a few summaries, but like mm, seven hours. I mean, Babylon B said... um, Baby Shark on repeat 184 times in a row got a higher viewership than this. And we all know Snopes will fact check that. (laughs) Someone at Snopes right now is on his 160th listen to Baby Shark trying to figure out if this is true or not. And I'll blow the spoiler. Mostly false. The Democrats (laughs) did provide a lot of information we should know about. Oh, let's groove that to Camilla. Camilla's my favorite. Oh my god. She's a cop. Oh my god, she's such a status cop. She's a oh, she would shove the whole boot down your mouth before you knew what hit you. She's a cop. Oh yeah, I know it's terrible. I don't know why the Republicans don't jump on jump on her and just like raise her up as their banner. They all want cops to rule the world anyway. Republicans are just red coat sympathizers. Anyways, we'll talk about cops another day. Kamala Harris. All right. This is kind of her highlights before we get into some quotes. She invoked wildfires at Climate Town Hall, and she said polluters should be taken to court. <laughs> Who? Polluters. Polluters like, should be taken to court. Like, I, I don't know how to... What does that mean? Um, have you ever dropped a pop can, Jake? I have. Fuck you. Go to jail. <laughs> You mean to tell me that Kamala Harris has never polluted ever once? Or is she exempt from that rule? Uh, uh, let's see. She asked, so Mr. Zink asked the California senator how she'd rein in climate change disinformation campaigns from denial groups and polluters. Uh, Ms. Harris, the pride opening for Ms. Harris to both lean into her personal connection with the victims of the fire as well as her resume as a former Eternal General. It doesn't really say how she, what, what polluters... She intends to take to court, or I don't. I, I guess I'd have to actually listen to the seven hours, or at least her portion, to see what she defines as a polluter. So, so I, I guess we're already going to the gulags now. <laughs> well, they are being built by Donald Trump himself. Yeah, who would have thought? So that's like that's my summary. You know, I well, I had fun with that. I mean, I wish I kind of wish I had more candidates that that talked to this, so I could just keep going through and having uh enjoying the summary. But that's that's the climate that's the climate crisis, guys, and those are our solutions. So to highlight, we've got five trillion to sixteen trillion dollar plans. Forget about the light bulbs. We need control of the economy and the energy sector because a government running it has never gone wrong. And if you don't believe in government, listen to Pete Buttigieg. God hates you for your sins when it comes to climate change. <laughs> this um, this really bums me out, and it makes me really wonder about my, you know, state and federally run education system growing up. Because when I grew up, I had been taught to believe that the Democratic Party were the 
parties of like, you know, free speech and like they were the anti-establishment and peace and, and you know, liberty. But now I'm wondering if it's just a bunch of, you know, propaganda. Oh, it is. I don't, I, mean, I don't see any, any of that from the Democratic Party. Well, it is. <laughs> and like for myself, like I grew up in a conservative household, probably conservative most of my life and everything, but at my current point of life, it wouldn't take much to swing me to a Democrat, like the traditional Democrat values. It's basically, you know, like minority groups we care about, this we care about, free speech, liberty, everybody should be equal opportunity. Well, I guess we differ, we differ on equal opportunity, equal outcome, but the core philosophies 30, 40 years ago, like ring a large bell with me. It's basically, they, they just went, they just missed a boat. I feel it's a turning point. They had like, the core ideas for society and beliefs and social liberal policies, like very socially liberal, and they, they were so close to it, and that their solution to it was to, to authoritatively take over the economy and then just dictate what people could do that way. And then they got so wrapped up in the social equality, they forgot that the smallest minority was the individual. So they picked social groups to defend and and enforce their policies upon. And it just went all apeshit to full authoritarian. Like you laissez-faire the economy and realize the individual's the minority. And all of a sudden, all your other ideas just fit like a perfect puzzle into it. And we can all be happy Democrats. Like, mm. come on. I don't know, man. I, I, I actually kind of believe, you know, I've kind of still been trying to find out my my center, but I I think that I I kind of always thought that I was a little more liberal in a lot of my ideas. Um, well, that's because liberal used to be used to be yeah. a lot of that stuff, and I don't see it. So I don't see it with a liberal, but that's the problem too because I'm I'm almost spiritual, you know, getting in the, my tinfoil hat on. I just really don't know if this is what the majority of liberals you know in, you know take into because i feel like these politicians and these well i think they're all statists and i think that they are all authoritarians but it seems like they're kind of bowing down to a specific small minority of thought um because i don't think most now it's a it's a shame to say, but I don't think most people take climate change as seriously as the they're they're projecting out on the stage. Um, I feel like these other people have other issues that are more concerning to them. Um, which I you can debate the merit of that, whatever you like it or not. That's just what you know. I think that Americans are like. That's just my subjective view on it. I think that the Democratic Party and, well, the Republican Party, but Republican Party, they're a whole other beast. Um, but I think that they both have lost, well, maybe they never were. And we've just been force-fed this lie our entire lives that they of what we perceive them to be. Because I don't see them being the party of you know liberal ideas and progressivism and freedom. Well, no, they've they've jumped on the uh, they jumped on the wagon of being power hungry. They've had a taste of power. They realized that following the original principles of the Liberal Party would dilute their power, just like the Republicans realized the original principles of the Conservative Party and Liberal Government would dilute their power. So they've both parties have force fed us lies. Come some come to some sort of backstage handshake. And then they both kind of agreed to grow their power in their respective areas. I mean, you can look at it every time there's a budget deal passed. Does one part, does both parties cut equally? Does one party cut more? No, both grow equally in their specific agendas. And they call that a compromise and they call that a win for their party. And the All that is is just more power for each party. And they're just corporate, man. I feel like they're all in bed with bad people. Now, you know, I could bitch and moan about the corporations when I think the, how damaging they are. Um, but I think the only reason that they're damaging is is because they've gotten in bed with government and made the system, you know, in their favor, in these corporations' favor. Yeah, yeah, um, you're, you're exactly right. I mean, I think everybody thinks capitalism is crony corporatism. And crony corporatism is entirely different than capitalism, but the two have been so intertwined that millennials can't tell the difference. I think I discussed an example when I talked about the railroads, like being formed in the... Formed in the yes, um, yeah. When they, yeah, when they, yeah, so let's just go back and listen to that, but... 
Crony capitalism is an entire different beast. That's what forms oligarchs. That's what forms what you fear. And you can only have that by a big government who's in bed with corporations or anything. You separate the two or you limit the government. It doesn't, I mean, it's just, I, I just wish, you know, I'm not going to go into a whole, whole uh, free market economic rant right now, but just look at the difference. Look it up. If you're confused about the two, just message me privately or message Jake privately. I'll take the time to explain it to you. I'll take the time to talk to you or ask you questions and learn how you do it. And we'll, we'll go from there. But they're entirely two different beasts. Crony capitalism or crony corporatism, whatever you want to call it, has nothing to do with free market capitalism. We're two separate identities. So why I, I, I have no faith in the Democratic or Republican parties. I mean, look at look at what Donald look at Donald Trump. I'm, I'm pretty sure most people could predict what was going to happen. But he was like anti-establishment and he rallied people up thinking that he was going to go out in there and drain the swamp and did he drain the swamp no man he just moved his own oligarchs into office and he's still a warmonger so i i think that this there needs to be some kind of i don't know maybe a new party maybe it's time to start pushing for new parties uh, you know i whatever the you know whatever that might be but i don't think that these established political parties are working anymore or maybe it's they be, never have it's gonna be so hard to overcome it's like that uh <clears throat> comic comic strip i don't know if i ever showed you that comic strip but it basically has it's a presidential debate and the antichrist is running against satan and uh there's a in the next strip it shows a voter saying oh man these are the only two choices we have and the next strip shows someone tapping from behind and says fear not my child and he turns around and says jesus is that you and Jesus says, yes, my child, it is. I am also running. And the voter says, who are you running for? Who are you running as or under Jesus? And Jesus says, I'm running third party. And the next slide shows Antichrist wins in a landslide. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, like we have so wrapped our heads around the fact that there's only two options. And voting for the lesser evil has led us here. Like you can't. That's stupid. Like, like Stalin and Hitler. Who was the lesser evil? Pick one. Shit's going to happen. In the next election, you still got the person, the inheritance of Stalin and Hitler. I'm not equivalent our politician leaders to them, but I'm just saying, like, when you use the argument, you got to vote for lesser two evils. That's terrible logic. And we should we should actually do a podcast on voting's right or voting's not, or because I got a lot. I don't know. I'm, there's a there's a lot. I think I got a lot of thoughts on it. If if you if voting's even even a good thing or if it's right or how, how it works. Cause I feel like any sort of voting for these parties where you're voting for a party to enforce their views on another person through violence and coercion, that that's wrong. The only sort of voting is where you're, you're let, voting that's almost justified to, for someone to go to the polls is to vote for someone who's literally going to let up the reins in the chokehold. Who's literally going to say, Hey, we're for less violence, less coercion of another person and enforcing your views on them. Like, but we, we have it wrapped in our head, Jake. You're like you said, there's only two options. We can only pick from these two. There's not enough people willing to just lay down their ballots and say, fuck this, or not enough people organize right third party. And we're just going to keep ending down this train until guess what? You have Stalin or Hitler. There's, there's no other, this is where it's going. I don't know why people don't see that. It's, it's literally history. Yeah, no, that's why I totally understand why people, they lost their minds when Donald Trump did. I, I, I understand that. Did I think it was a little ridiculous, some of the behavior around it? Sure. But I get it because it is scary because the office of the presidency is whoever holds that office is the most powerful person on planet Earth. And that's not a good thing. And I think you probably agree with this. Correct me if I'm wrong, but we need the, the we that it, and it shouldn't be that powerful. But it's just gotten to the point where it is. We need to somehow scale this back in some way because it's going to eventually collapse on itself. We're well, going to yeah, have another Julius Caesar crossing the Rubicon. You're right, and the, when it comes to the government power, it's like people are like, "Well, the government should be able to do this, do this, do this," but they hate when the other party has that power over them. Like, do you not realize this? Like, I saw something uh, online I was reading the other day. Like, like the Trump presented like, you should any federal agency you don't want the other party to have control over should be abolished. How many would that get rid of? Well, get rid of almost the entire fucking government overnight. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, yeah. people don't realize Republicans don't realize this. 
when they vote for power for their person to be more of a warmonger and Democrats don't rise us and they vote for their person to have more power when he's in office and have more control over social stuff. But guess what you're what guess what Democrats are scared of? Trump's ability and power over social agencies. And guess what Republicans are scared of? Or Democrats, power over the war and police state. Guess what? You voted for more powerful. You're going to lose elections now and then. The other party's going to be in power. If you're scared of that power in the other person's hands, that power should not be available to them. It's, and it, it shouldn't be available to you either. Yeah, I mean, that's... Uh, because power, you know, like I think I've said this before, power attracts the worst and it corrupts the best. Yeah, it's a good quote. And and you 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 shouldn't you shouldn't just be you know okay with it because your guy's in office because like you just said it just keeps getting more and it, you know it's just like it's like throwing mud on a hill and each party does it like oh you know here we go that's that this is going for me oh this is going for my team this is going for my team and to the point where you get yeah like you said we have Julius Caesar or we have Mao. <laughs> And yeah, the next thing you know, millions, hundreds of thousands, millions are dead, displaced, millions are locked in the gulag. It's and the fact that people don't see this is where this is where it's heading is ridiculous. I mean, the concentration camps, Hitler did him great. Hitler, Hitler, sorry, I shouldn't say that Hitler did him great, but I mean that's that's I mean he built this app this this concentration system that murdered millions of massive atrocities, and then Stalin built up the gulag and now and you know what? People act like this is something like that will never happen in our history. Well, guess what? The liberal hero FDR literally locked up Japanese Americans just for being Japanese. Yeah, he didn't mass slaughter them, starve them, or kill them under the evil atrocities they uh, they did. But we have the subtle beginnings of that with Trump. Kids not having their good supplies and everything. Like, do you really think somewhere along the line the government isn't going to stop? Isn't going to really take it to the end for their political opponents? We act like America somehow blessed by God's spirit and like democracy and like the, somehow the American spirit will just overcome all the evils of the world. But it's it's not going to be long <laughs> before, no, yeah, before that... the political opponents are in that gulag. They're the ones being tortured, starved, killed, beaten. It's already happening on a small scale. You're Basically what this election cycle is, is people are just hoping that their parties in power when the – when that full control happens, so their political opponents are disarmed and beaten and destroyed and silenced. Like, that's a terrible way to vote. Hey, well, I think we're doing it to ourselves, man. There's something wrong with our... I don't know. I think there's something wrong with the heart of Americans right now. And I, I mean, I don't want to... I don't want to get into it, like, maybe spiritual or anything like that, but it. <clears throat> I don't know. Maybe we just don't have something maybe i don't know maybe we've taken too much of the nihilism coffee but i i fear that this is only going to get worse because some of these insane ideas are passing and at rapid rates like red flag laws blatant violations of the fourth amendment and second amendment and even the first amendment You've seen people trying to protest down at the border, the um, the quote unquote the the concentration camps or the, the the camps where they're just separating families. People try to pro protest down there and they get rounded up and and they're not allowed to protest. Up there goes the free there, there goes your First Amendment right. So it's happening. It's not happening. You know, it's not going to happen overnight. This has been slow process. But like I was just mentioning over with Julius Caesar and the fall of Rome into the, you know, the, into the Roman Empire, the Roman Republic into the Roman Empire, that practically happened overnight, almost did, because the, the Republic was weakened over decades and decades, and then it finally just happened with, with uh, Julius Caesar crossing the Rubicon and lots of destruction and lots of chaos and violence resulted in that. And it can happen here. Oh no, I totally believe it. It's just, it's just a matter of time. Like, I, I, I feel like it's sooner than sooner than later too. We're getting close. We're at those stages, and I wish Republicans and Democrats had both opened their eyes and see that they both they both voted to lead us to this stage. 
I, yeah, I, I don't want to, ha- you know, I, I know kind of getting on a somber note there, man, but that's just how I feel. Yeah, me too. Well, I mean, unless you want to keep going, I can get another drink. We can keep ranting or we can call it there. <laughs> Whatever you want to do, man, I'm all right. <laughs> well, I just finished this one, so I guess we hit a somber note for our listeners. But hey, if you want to talk more about the somber notes, be free, 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 yeah. Free, yeah, feel free to email us at treadonmepodcast at gmail.com. Hit us up on Facebook. Like us up on Minds.com, too. If you don't have Minds, what are you doing? Facebook censors you. Go to the unknown. Explore a little. Give us tokens. Um, also, yeah, that's kind of all we got today. Unless you got anything else for us, Jake. I, that's all I have for you, Sam. That was a great episode. Oh, man, I loved it. We should do this more often. Twice a week, maybe. All right. <laughs> Take care. we can do it for millions of dollars. Yes. If you start... If you some listener out there wants to create us a Patreon account and run the Patreon account and make us some money, and then we'll eventually, well, I know if you guys pay us to do this, we'll do it every night. There you go. <laughs> Perfect. It's a, it's a deal. All right. Take care, everybody.